Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Undying Light. I am your host, Alex, and I am going to be dropping another episode today on, guess what? The Attributes of God. And today is going to be a little bit different than what we've done in the past few episodes. Uh, Instead of looking at a single attribute, we will be tackling three And the only reason I say that is because these are pretty closely connected. Um, And so I want to just do a whole episode on these three. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this in 40 minutes, 45 minutes, or if we're going to just go a lot longer. Um, The content is pretty extensive, but uh, I think we can probably hammer it all out for you. Uh, And the reason I'm combining these three, as I mentioned, is that they all are... Uh, they all kind of have a commonality to them. They're not the same, but they all kind of flow together. So we're going to be tackling the three omnis today. We're going to be looking at omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. So before we get into that, give kind of some uh, mild news. I don't really have anything big right now. I'm not doing any giveaways for a little bit, um, at least until... Uh, the coronavirus subsides and probably not even until after I move out of the apartment that I'm currently staying at. So maybe around the 4th of July time period, I'll do a giveaway. Um, But the last one I did was a pretty big one. It was pretty substantial. Um, I got some great books from Banner of Truth and uh, I was very blessed to give those to actually two different winners. So I was very excited about that. So other than that, there's really, unfortunately, nothing on the horizon in terms of like conferences or anything coming up. There is supposed to be the Doctrine and Devotion Conference. It's in St. Charles uh, this fall, which I have tickets to. I don't know how that's going to play out. Obviously, we are still many months out from that. I think it's in either September or October. Uh, It's a Friday and Saturday event. So I don't think, who knows, in Illinois, but it shouldn't be affected um now if it was in like august 
might be a little bit called concern, but I will be there. So if anybody who listens is interested, Doctrine and Devotions website has the tickets. You can go get them and then uh, come to the fantastic conference that Joe and Jimmy throw on. Um, that was just a shameless plug for that. So other than that, uh, I've got this series that's continuing. I've got um, a couple of guests who I have already scheduled to come on, and we are going to be talking about their favorite attributes as we go through this. So we've got um, next week will be Jason from Daily Reformation, and we will be talking about how God is immutable. Uh, I thought we were going to move that one up, but I think I'm going to have this one go on May 15th, and then we'll record... We'll, or we'll put Jason's on the week after. Um, they're all, again, immutable, infinite, immensity. The omnis are very closely related. They all describe God's vast reaches, knowledge, strength, all of that. So air the 15th, obviously, because you're listening to it on that day. And then Jason's will air the week after this. And then I've got uh, Anthony with Speak Gospel Truth, which we have made the announcement that we will be doing another separate podcast show. Uh, his episode, uh, God is Love, the Attribute of Love, uh, will probably air more than likely sometime around June. I haven't really picked a definite date for that, but we are going to re- get that recorded pretty quick. By the time this airs, it will already be recorded. By the time I record it, it we haven't recorded yet. So see that time frame for me. Uh, then I've got some other people. We've got some other special guests. I haven't made any announcements just yet, but we will be having a guest for uh, the just of God and God's faithfulness and then potentially God's holiness. And I'm thinking, too, that I might throw it out to my viewers. More than likely, I'll look at the those who are patrons first. And invite them onto the show and get them in, uh, the ability to talk about their favorite attributes. So I've got a couple people who yet I'm still going to talk to as I record this particular episode. So that's kind of the premise uh, and direction that I really want to take this series is get people on. And we just kind of hash through it. Uh, we lay out the definition. We talk about it, the implications. We look at scripture. We talk about the scripture And then, you know, what factor does that play into our lives as Christians? How does this attribute have, or what does it mean to me as a Christian going forward? So those are kind of the ways I've laid out the shows with the guests. Very simple and straightforward. And uh, the one I recorded with Jason, uh, I had a blast doing it, and I can't wait for you guys to listen to it. I think it was... Um, we had a lot of t- conversations before we actually started recording, and we talked for a short after, short while afterwards. So uh, it was a great episode. I'm very, very happy with uh, what came out of it. And uh, so I'm just going to put some final uh, editing tweaks to it before, um, you know, as I record this, it still needs to be edited. But uh, just me rambling here. So without further ado. Uh, we are going to dig into these attributes. So we've got the three omnis, and uh, we are going to unpack those. So we're going to look at the definitions 
individually, and then we're going to look at scriptures, and then we will kind of just—I'll just kind of go through my thought process on these. So, um, so to define what omni means, it really is simply all or university universality. That's the Merriam-Webster dictionary uh, definition for omni. Uh, these terms mean that God is either all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere present. Uh, they are each clearly taught in Scripture, and to deny any of them is to deny the God of Scripture. Uh, so we've kind of made that pretty clear. I mean, if we deny that God is infinite and we remove that attribute, we really remove a key character essence to who God is. If we say that God isn't all-powerful, then what kind of God are we serving? If we say that God is not all-knowing, then how can he be God and not know everything? And how can God not be always present? Uh, we kind of talked a little bit on the immensity episode about God being uh, so immense, he takes up all space, and he's unmeasurable. So we see how uh, immensity and omnipresent have um, a common connection here that God is so immense he takes up all space and he's unmeasurable on the side too that God is so present. And we talked a little bit about how uh, God is present in our moments of prayer. God is present in our moments of worship. God is even present in our moments of private sin and public sin. And God is present when we argue with our spouse and God is present when we love and care for our spouse and our family. So those are just some thoughts to hold on to as we start to unpack this uh, episode a little bit. So as we start to unpack these, let's take a look at the first attribute we will be covering today. And that is omnipresence. And what we are going to look at with omnipresence is the idea that God is all powerful. So when we have to ask ourselves, well, what does all powerful mean? Well, exactly that. God is indeed all-powerful, and there is nothing in the known universe or unknown universe that is, in fact, more powerful than God. God has to be at the top. And really, there's probably nothing that's even close to being as powerful as God. And there's nothing that has power over God, because God has made everything. So why would God, or, you know, those philosophical questions could god create a stone that's too heavy for him to even carry which just falls apart in on itself but what we look at from scripture is a lot of truth that comes out psalm 135 5 through 6 for i know the lord is great and that our lord is above all gods whatever the lord pleases he does in heaven and in earth in the seas and all the depths Proverbs fourteen six. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. So what this is, these two are really starting to clarify, is that there is nothing above God. He is the sole creator. He is alone, all powerful. And power can mean so many things in our eyesight, like physical strength or brute strength, people were going to think, man, he's really powerful. Like he can lift a lot of weights or uh, he can, 
you know, punch through a wall or he can take a beating as a stunt dummy double or whatever it may be. You know, you've got, you are a powerful individual, but this power supersedes anything that we can wrap our finite minds around. This is the power that spoke the universe into being. This is the power that created all things. So when we say that God is all-powerful, we are declaring that there is nothing above God in all of creation. God is the sole point of all things. Acts 17, 26, and he made from him one man, every nation of mankind, to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries and their dwelling places. And so it's a, a promise and it is a comforting thought to know that all things have their periods and times, their boundaries, their dwelling places, because God has designated to them because it is his designations. He is the one that does it. Uh, and this article that I'm looking at goes on to state that the omnipotence of God even extends to his ability to redeem the lost souls of all that he intends to make his beloved children in Christ. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that enables the soul to recognize its need for salvation from God's judgment and sincerely trust in the Savior. This work here comes from a preacher being sent and the word of God being proclaimed. The dead man just does not come alive. Now, this is a bit of a sidebar, but you know, because of this position, we have to recognize that it is God's doing that regenerates the dead. And by dead, I mean spiritually dead. And of course, you know, we do see that Jesus did raise physically dead people in scripture. But what we're talking about right now is the, the spiritually dead, not physical. So when we see that somebody's coming to Christ, it is because their hearts have been renewed, they have been regenerated, and they have heard the spoken word of God proclaimed in their life. And God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has brought them to life. So as we continue this track, we have some additional scripture that we'll examine. John 6, 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. So this goes back to that declaration that it is God who is sovereign over election. It is God who is sovereign over those who come to him. And Jesus continues to state here in John 6, that no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up in the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me, not that anyone who has ever seen the Father, except he who has from God, he has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. And so what we see this paired here with is Romans 310, as it is written, no one is righteous, no, not one, no one understands, no one seeks, for God, uh, all have turned aside, together they have become worthless, no one does good, no, not even one. So these two passages, the one in John and the one in Romans, go together. And by that I mean that it is not our doing to seek out God. We are dead and have no desire for things that are righteous. And so when we hear the word of God spoken upon us, and it is God calling us, then the statement of Jesus becomes true, that no one can come to, to the Father 
uh, can or come to him for that matter. No one can come to him unless the Father who sent me draws him. So the word must be spoken, and we see that clarified in Romans ten, verses ten through seventeen, where Paul makes that uh, clarification of how faith is given to the unbeliever. This is all work indicating the powerfulness of God. That God took something so unusual, so insignificant as words on a paper and breathed life into them. And that when a preacher is preaching those words or a person is sharing the gospel, when those words are spoken outward, they contain life in them. And when they contain life, they have the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to regenerate the dead man. And so it's interesting that people say, well, God could have revealed himself in any other fashion. And that's true. God could have revealed himself to mankind in any other means. He could have sent, you know, he could open the heavens today and declare himself. And and there would be people that would still find it foolish. But the way God does things, he takes the most insignificant people, takes the most insignificant moments in time, takes the most insignificant means to communicate, and he says, this is how I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to reach the lost. And we see that evidenced everywhere in the world. We see Bibles being banned in countries. We see people murdered for carrying a Bible. We see people beaten and persecuted for being believers in Jesus Christ and sharing the gospel. And But that doesn't take away God's powerfulness and how he is regenerating the lost, regenerating the dead through the means of his spoken word. And so I think that's a beautiful thing. So um, just on this little point on God being um, omnipotent, what we can get out of this is quite a few points here. God orchestrates all circumstances and infallibly influences how each person perceives and understands them. The unredeemed, those that are lost, when I hear the word spoken, are presented with this choice to choose God or choose life. But yet when God has instructed it, that person to come to life, they will come to life. And so people might think, well, we're a bunch of robots then because, you know, God just is going to control who he wants and bring back who he wants. And in reality, it's not has it's not that at all. Because if we were left to our own self, we would be dead in our sins with no desire for righteousness. And when God is calling these people because he is all powerful and his grace is irresistible, then those who uh he has called to will come to him. I I just I find the the argument of the robot to kind of be self-defeating because you don't see that play out in scripture at all. You don't see that people have a choice that's presented with uh, when Christ makes those calls in scripture. Now, it might seem like you have a choice today, and I'll get to that in a minute, but let's talk about this scripture. When Christ is calling his disciples, he makes the call, follow me. And what do they do? They immediately, the scripture says they immediately follow him. When he says, you know, to uh, the fisher, to the brothers who were fishing, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They drop their nets in the water. They leave their father and they go follow Christ. When he says to Matthew, 
at the tax collector, says, come and follow me, and immediately. So that's the context to this particular point, that when Jesus calls, they immediately follow. And the same goes into Acts 9 with Paul on the road to Damascus, right? We see that Jesus shows up and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And what we come to find out through this dialogue is that Jesus regenerates Paul and sends Paul to, on, in a sense, a, a quest of errands that he must fulfill. Now, Paul doesn't hesitate. The disciples don't hesitate. Matthew doesn't hesitate. They don't say, hey, you know what? Let me, uh, I got to finish this with my dad today, and then I'll join you tomorrow, Jesus. You know, so just, just hang tight, please. Now, we do catch glimpse of this kind of thought in Scripture, and this is what's going to lead me into my second point. We do see people that come to Jesus and say, oh, let me bury my father, or let me go say goodbye to my family. And Jesus instantly cuts all that out. He says, if you are going to follow me, you leave all that behind. And you come right now. I'm paraphrasing, of course. In today's world, if I am preaching in a pulpit, and I make the declaration that Peter does in Acts 2.38, repent and believe and be baptized, people would seem that they're presented with this choice. Well, I've never really repented before, so I guess I can, I can choose to repent. Eh, maybe I'll do it tomorrow, or maybe I'll do it today. This notion goes back to those people that come to Christ and say, ah, Jesus, you know what, I got to get some stuff done. I got to finish taking care of my house first, and then I'll follow you. This isn't Jesus calling them. This is just them following a trend. Now, because in Scripture, everywhere Jesus goes, there are large crowds that follow him. He's not just traveling with the twelve. There are large crowds. And always says, when Jesus entered this, large crowds followed him. So these people are just trying to stay with the trend. Hey, this guy's popular. I'm going to go follow him for a little bit. But I got to do a couple other things first. Now, today we know that it's not necessarily a quote-unquote hot trend to be a Christian because the persecution of us all over the world is pretty evident. And there's no benefit in the secular world to be a Christian. You don't get a better paying job. You don't get special treatments by coworkers and your boss by being a Christian. If anything, you're probably more scrutinized and you get ridiculed a little bit more by family members and friends for giving up their, what they find to be joyful for what you define to be the truth. So when you are faced with this quote unquote choice or dilemma, it's not that you are making the choice. It's that Christ is calling you. And for those he calls, they will immediately obey. And it also doesn't mean that they will, in that very specific moment, drop their life and go to Christ. Because it took me a while to follow Christ. It took me a number of months before my eyes were really opened after I first heard the Word of God given to me. And so we have to understand, too, the context of how the disciples were chosen and followed. Jesus was building his core disciples in these moments. And so that is where that, you know, that irresistible grace really takes a hold and it does not allow them to make the choice. And since the scripture has been established and now we are spreading the gospel, I don't want to say that the spirit is is not irresistible because it is still is, but what I'm trying to unpack 
is that sometimes it takes people, you know, more times than not to hear the word of God proclaimed to them for them to be regenerated. And the reason I can always look back and say, well, God is still waiting for the right moment. God has the right time in every person's life for them to become believers. You would think, well, you know, by the age of five, we should all be believers or the age of 15, we should all be believers. Why, why are we all believers at different ages? And the reason is, is that God has got a purpose for you at some level to become a believer at whatever time of life you are. Because there's many that come to know Christ late in life and only have a few short live, years left to live. And it's not because he's got this plan and he's going to bless you and he's going to give you all these things. No, it's not it. He is calling you at a specific point in your life so that way you can fulfill his mission to glorify him. And whether that's sharing the gospel with another coworker, another friend, another family member, whatever it may be, whether it may, for me, it's to pull me out of my darkness in life, polish me up, even though I'm still sometimes not close to being polished, and then put me into ministry. I had no desire eight years ago to be a pastor. And yet here I'm working towards that every day today. And so this is just the footprint of the all-powerful God, that he is the one in control of all salvation. He is the one in control of when you are saved, and you are always saved at the right time in his timeline, not ours, his. So the next one is omniscience. This is the fact that God is all knowing. Pretty simple, right? We can, you hear this argument today that God doesn't know all things. Um, or, you know, that's a common article. You know, how can God know all things? The future hasn't happened yet. Well, again, we can go back to prior episodes where we've established that God exists outside of time. And the other thing too, this goes hand in hand with the argument of salvation because people like to say, well, God looked down the, the tunnel of time and saw who would respond to him or saw who would have faith and he chose those people. No, that is, that is not biblical at all either. God did not look down any tunnels of time. God exists outside of time. God knew at the beginning of time who he was going to choose, not for any reasons of selfish uh, righteousness on upon ourselves, not because of any good works that we do, not because of uh, the faith that we'll carry or whatever it may be, not anything in of ourselves, but because he is righteous, merciful, and he is God. And he made that choice before the foundations of the world. And that is such a wonderful, peaceful thing to cling to, that God had chosen me to come out of my sin, to be regenerated, and to be a beacon of hope and light for this world. That doesn't mean I'm sinless, because I am still a sinner, and it's something I battle daily. So, God being all-knowing. I love this passage from Luke 12. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs on your head are even numbered. Fear not. You are more valuable, or you are of more value than many sparrows. In fact, all sparrows. Because that is who we serve. The gracious God above all things. God is 
as I said in the uh, uh, immensity episode, that God is so massive, so immense, everywhere, covering all space and time, which we'll get to in a minute. And yet, he is so personal. He knows the very hairs on your head. Or, in my case, how many are left. Like that joke because I'm balding. My wife doesn't. <laughs> she wants me to keep go back to high school with the hair I had uh, the hair I had then. Ah, those were good old days. So let's keep digging into scripture. So we can look at some other text of Job 37. Listen to this, O Job. Do you know those wondrous works of him who is perfect in knowledge? Psalm 139, 1-6. O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Isaiah 46. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the beginning and the end from the ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Romans 11. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments for his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor or who has given to him? It should be repaid to him for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be the glory forever. Amen. First John three. God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Now, I really want to go back to the Romans one. I really think this is, this is probably one of the foundational texts to this. There's so many others, too. I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, we see just countless times through the Psalms and through Old Testament and New Testament that God knows all things. Who could possibly even attain his knowledge and all that? But I love what Paul writes. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. We try to understand God. We say we can, we can figure it out. We write countless books on God's character. We write blogs and ah, look at me, I'm doing a podcast on it. But the premise has to be for us to understand that we cannot even begin to comprehend this. We can only see what is revealed to us in God's word. And Paul writes in God's word, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways of past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor? Who knows the mind of the Lord? I think God says this very thing to Job. Who are you, O man? Where were you when I made the heavens and the earth? And so, God makes it very clear to his creation who he is. And his creation responds with the magnificence, the all of God's character. That his judgments are unsearchable. His ways of, are past being able to find out. We don't know his mind. We don't know what his thoughts are. 
we have not and cannot be his counselor. For who has give, first given to him, and it should re, be repaid to him. For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be the glory forever. Paul makes it very clear that all things come from God. All things exist because of God. All things come through God. God does not exist without knowing all things. I just think that's a truth that we can hang on, you know, in today's crazy, crazy culture. And uh, I really like what uh, A.W. Pink here writes. He says, God is omniscient. He knows everything, everything possible, everything actual, all events and all creatures of the past, the present, and of the future. He is perfectly acquainted with every detail in the life of every being in heaven and earth and in hell. His knowledge is perfect. It never errs, never changes, never overlooks anything. And another great quote here by James Boyce. All that we can say that is God's knowledge in his essence or true knowing. It is not something acquired, but something belonging to that nature itself and identical with it. It is something so inherent in his nature that it exists exclusively of any means of obtaining or perceiving it, which we call action. The knowledge of God, therefore, cannot be acquired, cannot be increased. Time does not add to it. Succession of events do not bring it before God. All objects of his knowledge are eternally present and known. He knows all of the past, the present, the future of all things, knowing the future with the same certainty and accuracy with which he knows the present and the past, for that future is already present to him as though actually existing with all creatures in time belonging to it, and is distinctively perceived as it shall be then. That's a bit of a long quote, and James is laying out exactly what we've been talking about this entire time on these episodes, that God exists above all the time and space, God exists outside of our understanding of measurements, and he knows the future with the same certainty as he knows the past and the present. He knows all things. His knowledge cannot be increased. We cannot. Add, he cannot add to it. We cannot do something in of ourself that would say, you know, teach God something. God knows all things. That is such a comforting thought. And again, another one that just takes so much time to wrap our finite minds around because it, it, we just we just can't. I mean, we can say, you know that uh, we can kind of understand what it means to know all things, but to, to truly know all things, our brains are just not comprehensible enough to do so. Our last attribute here in the Omni show is going to be omnipresence, and that is where God is together everywhere at all times. So as before we kind of really get into the meat of this one, um, I just want to really clarify again that these are not exhaustive. These should deserve their own episode, but for the series and for the way we're constructing the show, um, I've combined these three because I feel that they really work very much in unison with each other, and they are a good foundational piece to include with God being infinite and God being immense, and they will be another instrumental piece to next week's episode of God being immutable 
because God doesn't change. And so these are all fundamental to understanding the character and nature of God. And then we'll get into God being just and love and mercy and, and all those. So um, if you're looking for a deep dive study, there's great books out there. A.W. Pink writes on the attributes of God. Uh, Matthew Barrett wrote None Greater. It's a fantastic book. I think every Christian should read it at least once. And I think if you're um, somebody who's serious about theology, you should probably read it a few times because he did a great job writing that book. So as we dig into omnipresence, this is one that really kind of goes back to God being immense. Um, But God fills all space and all times. And that is something to really hold on to and to really kind of ponder because we have to understand what it means for God to be in all places. As we look at what scripture says, we see Jeremiah 23. Uh, I am I the God of near at hand says the Lord and not a God far off. Can anyone hide himself in secret places? So I shall not see him says the Lord do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord. Now, I really want to make this, this isn't uh, you know, a repeat of what we talked about on the immensity episode, but there's a lot of similarities because the immensity is that God is immeasurable. And if God is immeasurable, that means God fills all places. And so there are two attributes that are very similar. And so... We just are breaking them down, and that's why I included this one in this episode to just continue to add some solidity to us all. So we're looking at a few more pieces of Scripture. We're going to grab some quotes here. Isaiah 66, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Proverbs 15, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. First Kings, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and earth uh, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you, how much less this temple which I have built. Psalm 139, where can I go, thy spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? I, if I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings in the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall find me, and your right hand shall hold me. So, I talked about the first king's text, the Psalms, and Isaiah in the prior episodes, so I'm not going to continue to uh, unhatch those. I think I covered those pretty immensely. Well, <laughs> immensely. Uh, I, I covered them fairly decently, uh, gave some illustrations and things like that. So if you want a little bit more on those verses, go check out that episode. But we're going to look at some quotes, and uh, we'll build off of that. So James Boyce says his, his presence is everywhere. He's present at one and at the same time everywhere. His presence is not merely contact, but energy and power. It's not merely through his knowledge of it or exertion of power upon it, but he fills it with his essence. He fills it not a, as a part to a part, but the whole infinite deity is entirely undividably present at each point of creation and at each moment of time. That's a lot to take in the infinite deity is entirely undividedly present at each point of creation and each moment of time. So there's not a moment in time where God didn't fill all points of creation. 
There's not one point of time that God had his presence a little bit less here or vacant there. God's presence, his essence filled all time, all space. I think that's just that's just mind mind boggling to even think of this. Um Milburn Cockrell by the omnipresence of God. I simply mean that God is everywhere present at the same time. John Gill, God is unlimited and unbounded as to space, and so is omnipresent. He is unbounded with respect to space and place, then he must be everywhere. And this must be provided by his power, which is everywhere, and his providence, as he's quoting Acts 17 there. T.P. Simmons, by the omnipresence of God, is meant that God is present at the same moment throughout his creation. So these gentlemen are saying all the same thing. God is present at all time and all space. God's essence fills all time and all space. And I think that really just adds more building blocks to these episodes. So we have God that exists outside of time and space. God is not bound by our laws of time. He's not bound by our laws of measurement or our ability to measure him. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. And God fills all space. And then next week we will unpack God being unchangeable. So through all of these so far, when before we hit God being unchanging, we know that God fills every time, every nook, every cranny, every space possible with his essence. Essence, He knows all things. He knows the past, the present, the future. And I am very excited for next week with God being unchangeable because that is just wonderful to cling to. So these are, I don't want to say foundational, but these have to be part of our curriculum in understanding who God is. These must be part of how we read and study who God's character is. You know, you don't have to say that God is omnipresence. You could just say that God is everywhere. God fills all space and time. Omnipresence is a nicer word because it kind of sums up some stuff there. But to kind of cast away the $2 theology word, we can look and say that God is all-powerful, God is all-knowing, and God fills all spaces. And that, to me, is, again, additional pieces for me to cling to, knowing that when I rise in the morning, God is present with me. When I go through my day interacting with people, God is present with me. God is filling all spaces and all times, whether I am there or I am not. God is still present in all points of time and all points of space. And so it's just a very quick dive into the three omnis. Again, I didn't want to say I was going to make these exhausting, but just quick dive because I think these will be continued to, well, I didn't, I don't think these will be used as we progress forward in this particular series on the attributes of God, that they will always continue to play off of each other because we can't say that God is, you know, righteous and just and loving if God can't be all knowing, because how can God be all knowing if, and then, you know, deliver his just and his mercy? Or how can he deliver just and mercy if God doesn't know all things, right? So these will all start to play a role in the attributes we will cover further down the line. So that's what I'm going to end with on this particular episode. Now, there are uh, a couple house cleaning things that I want to 
talk about that kind of came up in my mind as I was recording this. We will be revamping again the patron page. However, it won't be like what we've had where we have all these different tiers and then I reward each tier. Um, A good friend of mine has kind of helped me through this process. And I think what we've come to realize is I want to try to just recognize everybody and I want to make what I do um, kind of open to all who give. And the amounts, uh, whether small or great, are greatly appreciated. And I don't want to segregate those for from who only give a dollar uh, to those who give more. So the tiers will be open um, to all going forward. And so what we're going to look at is just a way for people to get a reward or feel like they are a part of this ministry. And I don't want to make it seem like a reward. I think that's kind of cheap. Um, but I really want I want people to feel like they are a part of this ministry. So if you do give, um, no matter what the amount is, um, please understand that my I am greatly appreciative of that. And it's therefore, um, those I'm going to try and reach out to everybody who does give. And we will um, try to meet up and we'll do various things. So if you are a patron, make sure to check out the page or your emails because you should get notifications in light of uh, what I'm trying to do. So there's some polls out there. So make sure you pay attention to those. I want to uh, ensure that we are getting everybody involved. And that is really the biggest thing. So we'll do um, you know, maybe Q&As. We'll do a Bible study, possibly. We'll look at passages and various scriptures. Might even do a small series. Um, but I'm looking at doing something once a month or once every couple of weeks. And uh, so I've got kind of, you know, a whole plethora of things rolling around in my head. So please check out that. Reach out to me if you are uncertain or have questions or don't know what I'm talking about. Feel free to shoot me a DM on Instagram and I will be able to help you point you in the right direction. So for those who donate to this ministry, my heartfelt thanks go out to you because you guys have helped make this to where it is today. And I am so deeply in debt to you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, If you're interested in donating to this ministry, you can uh, check out reformed underscore lifestyle. And in my tree, link there in my bio it's got a link to become a patron and you can give as little as a dollar a month or you can give as much as you feel Um, but for those who do help move this ministry along uh, there will be some uh, some things that I'm going to try to get positioned for you so that way you guys can feel like you get involved with this ministry a little bit more so uh, that's all I've got Um, I just really wanted to talk about because I haven't talked about it in the last few episodes and uh, I want to make sure that you guys were covered and you guys do still understand that I am extremely thankful for everything you guys do for us. So uh, that's it. It's going to be right on dot with 45 minutes, just a little over today. So thanks for hanging in there. Uh, I hope this was just a quick flyby edifying show for you. And I hope you were able to just kind of start to understand these terms a little bit better and start to see how scripture um feeds into them. Again, there's plenty more scripture that covers this, but to get all three uncovered, I wanted to just do them 
um, in little spots. So, but they will continue to be unpacked as this, this series uh, unfolds. So, uh, that's it, guys. Until next time, everybody, stay safe and God bless. Extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.